Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commission's family, welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commission's podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. So, we've spent some time this year in 2021 diving in on sales. We've dived in on some strategies to generate revenue. But one of the things we haven't spent some time on in 2021, which we did in the beginning of 2020, is truly talking about leadership, authentic leadership, living a life that your sales career allows you to have. And that's what our guest we're going to talk about today is truly understanding what does leadership mean. In the world of sales and sales leadership, It's right now, I think it's one of the most challenging times. And I think that there will be textbooks written about how leaders are responding and adapting with their people during this COVID and post-COVID pandemic. Now, let me tell you about what we got lined up today. Jerome Myers is the permanent authority of dream realization. He's a believer in dreams. He believes dreams can and should be real. Now, Jerome left corporate America when he realized his role offered, uh, financial gain, but little significance. Now he's the founder and head coach of Myers method has been featured in black enterprise business insider and numerous podcasts after building a highly profitable division for a fortune 500 company. Jerome decided to leave the rat race to get away to what seemed to the endless slew of layoffs. Now he's developed a system for exiting corporate America and creating a life of impact today. He and his company help other apex performers find their calling and live the everyday on purpose by harnessing the power of his model for a centered life, which he calls the red pill. Jerome and his firm can guide any individual from a monotonous, uninspiring existence to a life of fulfillment and impact. And you catapulting commissions family, you are sales leaders, you are sales gurus, you are sales apex predators, but are you living a life of impact? And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Jerome. Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. I'm going to call you Mr. Garcia after an intro like that, brother. Thank you for having me on your show. So grateful to be here and excited to serve your community today. I'm glad to have you, man. And I appreciate And Jerome, 100%. We are on, I think, episode 65, 70-ish, somewhere there. I have never had the technical issues we had when we started. So uh, thanks for being flexible, man. So let's jump into this, man. You take the red pill. You, you sound, I mean, you had a career that was built on financial security, right? People love sales jobs that offer financial security. People also hate sales jobs because there isn't financial security. But from what I've gathered, you were financially secure and then you made the decision to say, hey, I'm out this place. Talk me through that. Yeah, I mean, think about it, right? You you build a $20 million division for a Fortune 550, 30% profit margins, and you get the call on Christmas Eve. Hey, Jerome, 
yeah, I appreciate all of this, but we're 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 going to lay them off, and we recommend that you participate in the process because if you don't, you won't have the team that you need in tw- in the next year to do what needs to be done. And so you sit there, you hold the phone, you kind of look at it, and he's like, "Yeah, it's five o'clock. I'm going to hang up and enjoy the holidays with my family." And thanks for dropping the bomb and and dropping the mic and walking away. And so, what did I do? I, I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. It was my first time having to pick who was going to have a job and who wasn't. And it had to be figured out before we came back after the break. Right. So how do you get through that? I promised myself that I would never do it again. Right. Cause you know, one time's bad enough. One time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. Fast forward to Thanksgiving. And I'm telling people not to spend their check on black Friday. Cause I don't know what's going to happen. Cause it's out of my control. Right. I'm running the operation. I'm running the business, but that final people decision wasn't my decision, right? And so we have an illusion of the security. When you work for somebody, you're serving at their will. And at any point, they can decide that, hey, I I don't want to employ you anymore. And you may get some severance or not. You may have some back pay that needs to come or not. But this idea that, you know, you've got months and months of revenue to come in and so on and so forth just isn't a reality. And so what is a reality is you take the bull by the horns and you you take control of your future and you go in and you make the deliberate decision that the buck stops with me. I get to make the final call. I get to decide whether or not people get laid off or I don't take pay so that I can pay people that have made those decisions to support the organization that I'm leading. And I didn't need a $20 million organization, right? Maybe one, two. I I didn't have to do all of that because I I didn't have all the overhead and infrastructure, right? So I I decided to bet on myself. And that was the difference. I, I was tired of it looking like I had control, only to be shown when the real decisions had to be made that I didn't. And that right there is a sobering pill to swallow, right? You find out how people really feel about you, Anthony, when there's a decision and it, it relates to a promotion or money. Ooh. Yeah, you're, that, that's true, man. I mean, that's, that, is as, that is as direct as it is. Promotion, career advancement, money, which almost are almost the same thing, right? You, you know, if you get that promotion or career advancement, you're going to get more money, but you said so much there, Jerome. I want to ensure I understood this. So you were tasked with eliminating your employees or choosing who would stay right before a major holiday. Christmas Eve at 5 PM. What, what was going through your, I mean, how do you make that decision? I mean, that's not a fun decision. That's a challenging decision in leadership. And I don't think anybody wants to be in that position, but how do you make that decision? Yeah, I immediately went to, how can I make this as objective as possible, right? When I look a person in the face and say, hey, we no longer have opportunity for you. Why? Why me? Out Out of the 175 people, I was employee number two, out of 175 people, why, why me instead of somebody else? And I had to get to the math, right? Who, who was the most productive with the time that they, they had? Because I knew that the same year I needed to do it again. We did 20 million the next year. Again, another 30% profit, right? 
I had to do more with less, basically half the less. So there was some fat. There were some people who probably shouldn't have been there. Right. So that's step one. So the people who shouldn't be there, they were going out immediately. Then there were some people, some good people that we really wanted to keep, but they weren't as productive as other people. And for me, what we were doing, productivity was the first measure. And then the next measure was, well, what type of upside potential did they have? Did we really think that they had the capacity to be a leader in the next two or three years? Did we think that they could learn a new skill and help us in a place that we might have a gap going forward if we grew or expanded. And so it was very intentional about putting people in places, but it all started with, were you a good steward over what you had? Because, I mean, you can build for a lot of time and not have a ton of production, right? Man, yeah, you, you yes, you can. You can definitely build for a lot of time and not have production. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to knock on, roles or companies that have those roles. So I'll keep them. I won't say my, those names, but there are jobs that I know exist that way. So we'll, we'll, we'll scoot that to the side, but something you said there, Jerome, that I think is so important and impactful for those in a position of leadership, you got tasked with the really crappy decision on Christmas Eve to cut people out. And I asked you, how'd you make that decision? And you made it objective as possible. And then it was followed by, you know, what's the potential, what's the runway? But I think the truth, I mean, the, I hear that objective reasoning, that objective, hey, this is it. This is it. I have to be able to, you know, I, I, I call it, can I stand the eye test? Can I look somebody in the eye and stand behind the decisions I've made? Where does objective reasoning, objective decision-making take place? Let's just, let's just talk that out in general, like leadership, entrepreneurship, family life. How many times do you find yourself either having to make an objective decision or teaching or coaching people to have that objective decision-making process? It's every day. And, you know, I'm one of those people who believes that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so if you're making a bunch of emotional decisions, then you're going to always end up in a space where people can control you and put you in a place where you aren't doing what's best long range based on all the facts that are placed in front of you. I think every situation really boils down to two things. One's the math problem, right? And that's the logic, that's the objectivity. And then there's the, how does it feel? And what I always ask people to do is first, do your math problem, right? It's a word problem. You got X and you need Y and equals Z, right? Do that. And then that tells you what you should do based on that. And now if you decide to go do something contrary to that, just know that the math told you to do something else and the consequences that come with you making that other choice are fully on your hand, right? The blood's on your hands because you know that you should do something different. And if you're good with it, then great. But I don't know that it actually stands the eye test when you do that. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. And I think you are right. I mean, I, I would agree with you. You know, how you do some one thing is how you do another thing. And in in the world of of sales leadership, right, it's it's pretty objective. You either, you know, you produce or you don't produce. You hit a number or you don't hit a number. And unfortunately, that puts people in position of leadership sometimes to make difficult decisions because no matter how much I might like somebody or want to spend time with somebody or think that they're awesome or whatever it is at the end of the day the goal in the world of you know of entrepreneurship or sales when you get in that position is we have to hit a number we have to hit an objective but can leadership take place 
with somebody who isn't meeting that objective, right? So, so in that same situation, you have somebody who you're like, hey, you know what? You're not meeting my productivity goals. You're not meeting my sales goals. Typically, from an objective standard point of view, you, one, shouldn't work here. B, I could fire you. C, I could write you up. Whatever the situation may be. But until that time happens, or even if that time's happened, I'm still your leader. How do you impact somebody like that? Yeah, I think a lot of people think it's kind not to give people direct feedback. And you're not being kind, right? You're just avoiding actually dealing with the problem. And then what happens is it blows up and it's a catastrophe. You end up firing somebody with no warning instead of having the direct communication. You are not meeting the expectations that we've laid out for you. We would like for you to make these adjustments. Here's your performance improvement plan. We want you to do these things this way in order for you to stay here. And we think if you do these things this way, then it will get you closer to the performance level that we expect. And if it does not, then we will have to explore other alternatives. It could be another improvement plan or it could be termination. And just being extremely direct with people gives them the ability to plan life, right? Because I think that's what we all want. We just want to have the ability to plan our lives and not be surprised when things happen. And so it's always troubling for me when somebody says, I just got fired or laid off and I don't even know what happened or why. And we're so tight-lipped as leaders because HR often encourages us not to say anything that we don't even give the person opportunity to improve. And I think what is most important for us as leaders is to show the compassion by giving them the feedback so they can make the adjustments. I think we all want them there. I don't think anybody comes to work and says, man, you know what? I'm going to screw Anthony over today because I'm just not happy and I'm just do the crappiest job I can do. That happens after they mentally quit in place, but not when you're going through and telling them, hey, I want you to do this and this and you're close, just tweak it this way or whatever else we need to do as coaches in the space, because that's the game changer. Everybody's not going to be perfect. Everybody's not going to understand your system, but you can guide them. You can coach them to it. Yeah, I think as if you coach people to your system or impact people to your system, I think of some of the relationships that I've had with leaders who have been my mentor, manager, quote unquote, boss. Some of my best relationships are people who've were invested in me as a person. And even if there was times where I maybe wasn't hitting the metric, it didn't change how much they felt about my leadership or how or how how I felt about their leadership or how uh, directly communicative they were. Right. You said that direct feedback. We we as leaders, I don't you know, I don't want to say we, but, you know, typically leaders will try to avoid that conversation. And you are correct. H.R. Um, has this tight lip like we're not going to share this. You know, less is more, you know. The, 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 the employees in the field don't have perspective. Uh, people are going to panic. Right. And, and I say that because I sit on the other side of corporate America, or I sit on that side, on that leadership side, I'm sorry, as you have, where those, the, those conversations are taking place. I just want to, I just want to like scream. I'm like, no, like that, that's wrong guys. I'm, I'm sorry. Show me an HR person that leads a dynamic team and, and show me one because just because you're an HR and you have spent your career learning and understanding the legalities of how to protect the system, how to protect the corporation. And you might have four or five direct reports. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. 
you don't have a sales force of 400 people. You don't have people depending on you to feed their family. You're, you're a visionary. You're a leader. You're not an HR puppet. So when you get people that are leaders that become puppets to HR, puppets to the corporate umbrella, they lose the respect from that people in the field. They, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that, man. I mean, I think that direct feedback, that harsh conversations, we need to embrace them and not run from them. I, and they don't have to be harsh, right? If you have the relationship and they know that you care for them, they know you love them, then you're going to tell them the truth, right? Now, if they're delusional, and some people are, right? If they're delusional about their production, they're delusional about their activity, it's because we let them be, right? Here's the goal. If we're not clear about the goal and they're not hitting the goal, then of course we've set them up for failure because we're not telling them what we want them to do. But if we're clear about the goal and they're not hitting it, there's no confusion about whether or not they're doing what they're supposed to do. I remember I used to send out a weekly email when people who close, we, we called it closing a project, right? We, we had to secure easements from different homeowners. And I would send out the email when somebody got their project closed. And the people who weren't closing projects would be upset because their name wasn't in the email. And the feedback to those people were, if you close your project, you get in the email. If you don't close your project, you won't. And if you don't close it fast enough, I'm going to give it to the people whose names keep coming up in the email over and over again because they know how to get it closed. So you can figure it out or you're going to get figured out. And it's not a threat. It's just being very clear about the expectation and not trying to give people a trophy for participation. That's not how the business works. And it never will. Like at the end of the day, you have to complete the cycle. You have to complete the transaction. And if you don't complete the transaction, there is no revenue. If there's no revenue, there's no paycheck. Let's be very clear about that. And we, we're romanticizing it like kid, they're five and six-year-old kids. No, this is how the business works. And especially if you're in sales, you know that you are there to create revenue for the company. If you don't do your job, the whole company will die. Set your targets. You agree on the target before you walk out. And if you know for a fact you can't hit that target, you need to tell that person that you can't hit the target. And then you as a leader have to make the decision. We're either going to lower the bar for this person or we're going to find somebody who can get over the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing you say that, right, it, it, it leads me to a saying that what is right is what is agreed up is what is <clears throat> excuse me. What is right is what is agreed upon in advance. And if I set these goals and I set these parameters, and I set these um, metrics that are to hit from the beginning. So it's never confusion. There's never confusion on what my expectations are from you and what your expectations are for me. And as long as we have that clear line of communication, right, we should have a growing mentor mentee relationship. And I love what you said about people not having their name in the email. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I ask people in an interview process, when someone's interviewing to work with me, I say, people work with me for one of two reasons. They're motivated by money. They want to make it tons of money or they're motivated by recognition, name and lights. There's no right or wrong answer. I just want to hear their answer and their reasoning. And I, I have told people, people ask me, which one am I? And I'm like, I, honestly, I'm probably the recognition person because money, I can make money. I mean, I, I can make money selling a product. I can make money 
flipping cryptocurrency. I can make money in the stock market. I mean, there's millions of ways to make money, but I want my name in the email, man. I want people to know like, Hey, Anthony's a badass. His team did this. Hey, you know, so we're motivated by that. And people, you know, as a leader, as a leader, sometimes you don't realize not including somebody or not recognizing somebody. It's either motivating. It's discouraging, but what it, it regardless of what it does, it's causing emotion. It's getting somebody re-emotionally invested into your, your opportunity, whether, whether you're selling widgets, building projects, whatever it is, people have to always be energized. And I think by excluding some people sometimes, I mean, it's, it's actually impactful. But this is a great part about the thing, Anthony, is if you set the standard and they don't hit the standard, you're not excluding them. Because you were transparent and authentic from the very beginning, they excluded themselves. Hey, if you want this, then this is what you have to do. It's the same for everybody. Ooh, go do. That is true. I guess we're not excluding them. It's just you yeah. haven't shown up. You didn't take your place at the table. I, I said it, I, the place is set. Like, all you have to do is come sit down. It's waiting for you. And I'm excited to celebrate with you when you come eat. I, I, but if you don't want to come eat with me, I understand. And as the leader of the organization, it's up to me to decide who gets to sit with me. And not one by one, I'm going to set the standard for everybody that has that title, right? Or that region or what, however you want to segment it. And then I'm going to hold you to it because if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, you're absolutely going to hold me to it. But that's when we're conflict averse and we want to be liked by everybody. We, we shy away from it. We, we start to fold up. We, we start to shrink because you know, they, they might be upset. They don't have a reason to be upset with you. You, you set the standard. And the, at most they can say, well, you're not understanding. And the business doesn't understand. Nobody, this is my favorite part about sales, right? Nobody who wants a paycheck is going to understand that they aren't going to get a paycheck because the person who was at the front of the line getting the sales didn't get the sales in the door. And the salesperson will say the marketing person didn't do it. And I mean, everybody can point around, but at the end of the day, you as a sales manager is responsible for the transactions that happen. And those transactions happening pays everybody's salary. I don't want anybody to ever be confused about any of that because that's the way it works. And so when you shy away from that and you're not forcing, enforcing the standard, then you're setting the organization up to run out of air, which is the cash. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And, and in, you're right. That sales manager, that sales leader, I mean, that, that buck stops there because typically people below you, they're really good about pointing, Hey, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. There's always a reason. And that buck stops there. And so sometimes as a leader, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow because example, I just, I just got off the phone before we started recording. Somebody on my team call had, had a minor um, emergency in the field. And the response is, hey, Anthony, I need your help. Okay. So we came up with a plan. And, and the help is that I'm going to come out and visit a customer and do a site visit and have a probably a challenging conversation. Mind you, this is the second or third challenging conversation I've had. But if I don't do it, it's my fault. The buck stops with me because I'm that leader. I'm responsible for that revenue. And so I, I hear you saying that, man. And I love when uh, I love challenges and i get discouraged when i hear people in positions of leadership that shy away from those difficult conversations 
they might not be leaders, right? They might just be managers and that's okay. Right. That's okay. But don't be delusional. Don't confuse yourself or the people you're working with about which one you are, because they're very different people and very different skill sets. Yeah, it's actually pretty true, right? Their leadership, manager, boss, they all have different um, different tones, different meanings. And and just because someone becomes a manager doesn't become their doesn't mean they become a leader. And just because someone's not a manager doesn't mean they're not a leader either. So I think that that's a good that's a good point to talk on. So let's 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 switch gears here a second, Jerome. I did say um, you know it's a tough pill to swallow. I can't help but look at the shirt that says I took the red pill. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So you alluded to it a little bit in the intro. And uh, again, man, I got to call you Mr. Garcia. You brought me out with with all the lights and the smoke. I felt like I was going to run out with the was it like 93 Bulls to win the national championship. Right. But um, yeah, man, we've created this model. Right. We, We believe that everybody needs to take the red pill and the red pill is our model for centered life. It's got six levels. The first one is self image. From there, we go to relationships. Relationships, we go to work. Work, we go to health. Health to prosperity. Prosperity to significance. And so let me come back down for you. So the only real success is significance, right? You being able to positively impact those around you. That's what everybody's striving for. You want your name in the lights because that will bring people to you. And they may be asking you for wisdom, guidance, And you can share that. And that makes you really important for them. Coming down to the next level is prosperity. You give your significance out of your prosperity. You have overflow. And we want everybody to have overflow because we believe that there is enough for everybody and then some. We believe in abundance. And so we look for prosperity. From there, we move down to health. If you have prosperity before you have health, your health will rob all your prosperity. So that's why you need to have the health first. Then we go down to work, relationships, and self-image. Those three I call the nucleus. That is where all your stress starts. And so we want to control, manage, correct the issues in those three so that you won't have the destructive behaviors that adversely impact your health, right? And so what does work look like? Work looks like aligning your duties with your stated values, right? being able to move authentically. A lot of people go into a place and they they feel like they got to put a mask on. No more masks, guys, right? If you're not who you want to be and you feel like you got to put a mask on, then become the person that you absolutely should be because that authenticity will go out and just change the entire world. But, you know, it it doesn't really happen at work. It happens in the self-image. I think a lot of people are okay breaking promises to themselves. And when they break those promises to themselves, it destroys their self-esteem and self-image. And so we really work with people to get clear about what's truly valuable to you. Do you have the habits and are you making the decisions to reinforce those things that you say are really valuable to you? And then this impacts the way you interact with other people in the relationship, right? And so relationships for most people who are apex performers, they only have people coming to them to take Hmm. They don't have people coming to bring them things. Anthony, I don't know when the last time you got a phone call patting you on the back and telling you how great of a job you've done, but they probably few and far between. Right. And so what we encourage people to do is find they go through, they do an audit, they do an audit on all their relationships, especially the top five, the closest five. And in that 
we say, is this a one-way relationship? Can it be redefined as mutually beneficial? If it can't, the relationship must end. Because if you only have a place where withdrawals are happening, eventually you will be overdrawn. And so you need, and then also leads to just dysfunction in a relationship because they always expect to take from you. And so again, it was self, self-image, then to relationships. You fix a relationship with yourself. It fixes a relationship with others because you show up, you're not scared. Work, health, prosperity, and significance. Man, that is, I love, literally love that framework. A couple of things I'm going to piggyback some of the things you said, and I don't want to butcher it. You did say, if you don't take care of your health, it'll rob prosperity, which I think you, we, we have to hear that catapulting commissions family. I, I know what it's like to be out in the field. I know what it's like to have the pressure of quota and the pressure of sales. I know salespreneurs. I, I know what it's like when you're like, I got to make payroll next month. We don't have revenue coming in and we sacrifice our health to try to make these numbers or what we think is making these numbers. And I'm a big, big believer, man, like your health, physical health, mental health, financial health, all of that has to come in. So I love hearing you say that. And you are dead on, man. The stress of life, self-image, relationships and work. Holy crap, man. That is that is that is it. I mean, that's. That's where stress comes from, that it robs from everything. So I love that framework, buddy. Yeah, man, it, it, it came from a bunch of long, hard nights and tons of thinking. And I mean, just working with Apex performers and seeing the, the similarities and the things that they're dealing with. And I, I tell the folks who are listening today, you're not alone. Like we, we go and we hide and we pretend like everything's okay. But anybody who's been at your level or is at a higher level sees through you. You can't fake it when the person already knows who you are and what you've been going through. You can't pretend. So you might as well just share it when they ask you because you're only fooling yourself. And what happens is they turn off when they know that you're deliberately lying to them. Oh yeah, that is, that is, that's another one. You're, you can't, you can't fake authenticity. And to someone who's been there before, like you're right, we see through it right away. It's, it's almost as simple. And I hate saying it cause it's really, really an uh, elementary metaphor, but it's really as simple as, I mean, I'm a parent. I know when my kids are lying. I know when my kids are full of crap and no matter how creative they get, I'm like, nah, don't believe it. Sorry. Try it again. Like in, in my mind, I like to say I wasn't that I was I wasn't your age that long ago, but it has been a long time. But it's because I've been there. I've had that experience. And I think that applies so much when we start seeing people try to advance and go through the corporate ladder, or go through their career. They they put this persona sometimes. They're like, you know, what, man, I've been there and you're, you're full of shit or you're, you're not you're not delivering it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And cool, man. that part right there. And I don't want to beat the dead horse, but. That part right there is the reason why you have every incentive to just go ahead and be you, right? And if you don't like you, then fix that. But if you like you, and so the whole point of this thing is not balanced. This whole thing is to be centered. So you can show up and be you wherever you are. That is a game changer. It is exhausting to put on a mask to go pretend to be something that you aren't. 
Now, if again, if you don't like who you are, then you need to start making the decisions to be the person that you really want to be so you feel comfortable showing God. And when you show up as your authentic self, your whole world changes. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And then being yourself, being authentic, it, it causes some difficult conversations. But I, I like what you said, man. I can't be a good leader if I'm not happy with who I am. I can't be a good husband if I'm not happy with who I am. I can't be a good father if I'm not happy with who I am. So to hear you say that is is, is pretty impactful. All right, Jerome, we, we have a few minutes here left, man, before we wrap this thing up. One of the things that you you talk about or you took in the red pill and then i know you've you've created uh, i don't know if it's called it like a wealth building or an exit strategy but how does someone say okay you know what jerome i'm tired of this i want to create a life of significance i want to make this transition to my own my own rules my own way my own life unfortunately jerome I have all this pressure here because you know i got bills i got family i got a job etc whatever comes with it what does that conversation look like yeah, I think it's one. Do you understand what the difference is between your needs and wants first, right? It's always going to come back to the math problem, right, Anthony? So we're doing math, right? You, you, you might make $120,000 a year just to throw a number out because it's $10,000 a month, right? And you think, I got to make $10,000 a month in order to get free. Well, you only need to make $10,000 a month if you want to make more than you do in your day job, because guess what? That W-2 income gets taxed and you're probably losing close to half of that already. So now we're already down to 60, right? Okay. Now let's take that back a little bit and let's pull out some of the other stuff. So if you're spending 60 grand a year, cause you're spending everything you make, which I don't encourage anybody to do, but if you do, I understand a lot of people are in that space. What are you spending money on that you don't absolutely need? Because now we're going to get into the question. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to sacrifice to get, right? Like, what are you actually willing to do in order to get this thing that you say you, you really want? And this is where we find out if the person truly wants the thing, because they're often scared of going backwards. You know, you go from a whatever size home to a smaller one. You go from the luxury edition, you go from an Audi to a Volkswagen, right? You, you might make some changes, downgrade the, the lifestyle a little bit. But if your freedom is what's most important to you, you, you'd be more than willing to do that in order to get out. And it's only temporary. And this is a thing that I think most people need to understand. You may go backwards. If, if you shoot something out of a rubber band or shoot it out of a, what do you call those things? A slingshot. Right. It's got to get pulled back before it goes forward. There's nothing that just continues to go. We, we believe that if you take a step backwards, you failed. And that is probably the biggest atrocity that I think we can have in America. If you change your plan, you need to make an adjustment in the lifestyle that you have in order to live out the new plan. And so 
the conversation goes to really getting clear about what you want and what you're willing to sacrifice for in order to get it. And that usually ends up in what I call the freedom number. This is how much I need to make in order to actually leave this W-2. And the thing that we use most often to help people replace that income is multifamily real estate. We believe it's a model that it, it can't be outsourced. It's a subscription model, so the income's recurring. And if you do it right and put a property manager in place, there isn't a whole lot of day-to-day -day responsibility for you. And if it is, it's a scheduled phone call. And so you get the time freedom that you're really seeking, plus you get the income. Now, can you do that with no money? Of course not. If you want to run your own business, are you going to need money? Of course you do. And so this goes back to what we were talking about with the math problem. You shouldn't be spending all your money. And so just because you got this gross number that you brag about doesn't mean that that's the amount of money that you need to make. And people get caught up in that and it just seems so far away. So now literally we've taken that $10,000 a month or that 120 a year and brought it back to five, but it's probably an even smaller number than that if you really want to go to your survival mode right? So that you can get free, take that 40, 60, 80 hours a week that you're working on somebody else's thing and build your dream. And the thing that's most important there is that you show up authentically and you're using your unique gifts. If you know what those two things are, then you'll be successful in whatever you want to do. Man, I love that. I <laughs> Living below your means is, is like such a underrated, not talked about, not glorified concept. You can turn on social media and it's all flash. And I always say all flash, no cash, because living below your means really does create wealth. I love your multifamily real estate process. I think that that is definitely something everybody can get into and, and to create, um, you know, generational wealth. That's, that's really, I mean, you know, in building catapulting commissions and, and going out on my own and doing this thing, everyone's like, what's, what's the goal? What's the goal? What's the goal? And the answer is always the same, man, to build generational wealth. I just, I, what I want and how I want to get there, I have to do it on my own. And, and to hear you say that, I mean, it's, it's awesome. There's multiple, multiple people. I would say there's more people than not who are afraid to take that step or afraid to say, Hey, let me do this because that glorious salary, that six figure income, that security, sometimes it's hard to turn away from, or you've made a life where you're so dependent upon that, where you're spending the money before it gets there. Cause American express says you can, and you're like, Oh, I just made a $10,000 check and American express says I want eight. And you're like, how does this work? Right? So to hear you say that, man, I think there's definitely some, some shifts that need to take place uh, for us to have that exit strategy. I love hearing that, buddy. Yeah, man. It, it's, but it's funny because we talk about the golden handcuffs and, and being trapped in corporate America, and we're, we're trapped in the house that we built, right? We want to keep up with the Joneses. We, we're buying these things. And I'll tell you, I'll tell your listeners this because I know they're high-income earners. You're buying things that you don't want to impress people that you don't care about, who aren't even thinking about you. Fix the holes in your soul, find that place in spot of significance, and you won't need those toys. You won't need those shoes. You won't need that belt, that purse, that jacket. You, 
you, you don't need it because you feel whole. You can't plug the holes in your soul with material things. Retail therapy is a myth, friends. It's truth. I mean, to, to really get that impact, Jerome says to fill the hole in your soul, and I couldn't agree more. My man, well, I appreciate, I definitely appreciate you putting the button on that, Jerome, and, and, and bringing, some, bringing some closure to that discussion. How does somebody get a hold of you? How does someone learn more about taking the red pill and, and learning? You know, we, we barely touched a little bit on, on what it is you exactly do, but I think from this conversation, people will know what you do. You help change people's lives. So how does somebody find out about the Myers method? How does somebody find out about the red pill? Where can we get a hold of you at? Yeah, man. Jerome Myers.co, M-Y-E-R-S on the Myers. Some people put that extra E in there. No extra E's. And you, you can find out about everything. You can find out about the real estate education. We've got a great conference coming up in March. And you find out about dream catchers. And, you know, Anthony, the thing that I do, in case they're wondering, is I help them exit the matrix, whatever it is, right? It, it can be this framework where you got to spend all the money that you make. It can be the framework that you can't leave your corporate job because of X, Y, or Z. It can be, you know, you're stuck in a relationship that you hate and you don't know how to fix it. Like whatever the thing is that you feel is your prison, I help you escape it. Man, I love that. I love hearing you say that because I know for certain there's people listening to this show right now that want to escape either the corporate environment they're in, the relationship they're in, the home they're in, whatever that prison is. And I think having somebody like you in their corner, Jerome, to help them get out of that and take the red pill. And now I hate saying this because it ages you and I, but that's an analogy from the matrix, correct? That is it, man. When Neo sits down and Morpheus, and I'm the new embodiment of Morpheus, when he offers him the red or the blue pill, and he tells him that the red pill is only the truth. I'm only offering you the truth. And you can go back to this place of being blissful and dumb and oblivious, or you can take this red pill and see how deep the rabbit hole goes. And I'm willing to go all the way to the bottom with whoever's ready to exit. I love it, man. I love it. Catapulting Commissions family. If you've not seen the matrix, you were born too late in life. Go watch it. It's on Netflix, YouTube, et cetera. It's a good movie. So you can understand that Jerome, my friend, thank you for joining the catapulting commissions podcast. Anthony, so glad to be here to serve your community. Hopefully they got something from it. Definitely got some value today. Catapulting Commission's family, do me a favor. Go follow, get connected with Jerome Myers. You'll find all his links, social media, social media profiles in the show notes. Be sure to comment, like, subscribe, and I will see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions Podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661 661- 228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.